Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus as he talks about his thoughts on worship. We pray that God speaks to you during this message and that he continues to move in your life. So that's what we're going to do. And um, so the message this morning is thoughts on worship. And so um, I'll, I'll just start. Um, you know, I wasn't, I know I said this before, I probably said it this year, and I'll say it again probably before the end of the year um, or into next year. Next year is going to be a phenomenal year, by the way. Um, I, I just had some serious downloads during worship, and I can't tell you what it is for our house yet because you know how you get it, and it's just, you just get really excited on the inside, but you don't want to release it yet. And I feel like I'm not going to release it yet. But this next year is going to be phenomenal. be phenomenal. So <clears throat> I won't even tell my staff. So um, no, I will. I will. So it's okay to have fun, right? right? Come on, you guys loosen up. You know, you guys are all right. You guys good. It's Thanksgiving. It's fun. It's Thanksgiving weekend. It's good to relax a little bit, be family in God's house. True. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to your neighbors. Say, That's true. I just want you guys to get loosened up a little bit. All right. All right. Um, so, so for most of you know that I wasn't raised in the church. I kind of got married and grafted into uh, years and generations of, of pastors and leaders. And so on Wendy's side, she's fifth generation or sixth generation. I can never, four and five on one side and five on the other and four on the other four, yeah. And so she's had family that's traveled with Billy Graham and, and she's had family that's you know, ministered alongside Smith Wigglesworth and the healing movement and all that. And, and I, I tried to do an Ancestry.com and the spirit, you know. And, and there's, I did just, you know, some of, you know, her mom and dad were praying for me because they were praying for her spouse. And so I guess they were praying for me. And, and uh, at the age of 16, I found the Lord, but I was raised in the Catholic church. And so, and we went to church twice a year. And so we did go on Easter and we did go on Christmas and I went through uh, catechism and I went through confirmation and I was never going to be a priest. Um, that's for sure. Even though they were trying to recruit all of us eighth graders to be priests, it was like, no, we're not going to do that. We liked girls too much and that's not going to happen. Um, I learned, I learned the rosary. Um, I learned I, I, I remember I, I liked, you know, the, the 45-minute services, you know. The, I understand that any Catholics, you raised Catholic, put your hand up. You understand what I'm talking about? The monthly missalette, you know, the, everything, you know, the programmed stuff and, and the response of praying and all that. Um, but I never, we, we never really worshipped, you know. I, I mean, I knelt a lot, you know. I stood I sat, I knelt, I sat again, stood, knelt some more, you know, and, um, but we never really, I mean, there was a lot of, there was a big organ in, in that where people would play and all that, and I know when the, when the priest went up to preach, the pulpit was, had a hydraulic system, and the priest in the, in the Bible went up like this, and I always thought that was amazing. <laughs> Why don't we have that in our churches, you know? <laughs> Uh, it's just, just power. There was power, you know? And, um, and I understand now that they, they did that because they wanted to elevate the word. And so they had a respect for the word. And so, um, 
So I got, I got saved out of like, you know, I, I think, the, I believe there was born again Catholics. I'm not, I'm just saying that I got saved out of that culture right into a Pentecostal culture. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? So I got saved from kneel, stand, sit, say thanks be to God several times during the service, Oregon to a Pentecostal church. And so I remember, I actually got saved when I was in high school. Um, and so I went to Fremont Christian High School, got saved to free me and my brother, my twin brother, who you've never seen yet. And I'm trying to actively recruit to get here at least one Sunday so you can believe that I'm not lying to you over the last two years that I actually do have a twin brother. And that we, uh, that we and I'm better looking and nicer and everything. And so we got saved um, when I was 16 away from away from the Catholic Church in, that, in the sense of you, it seems like you go from one extreme to another. And so I remember going to my first service and outside of the guy who was the most Pentecostal, tongue-talking, spirit-filled believer in the church, honestly, and he was very loud about it and really freaked me out and I left the church. I just left. I was 16 years old, never heard someone speak in that kind of like, what's he talking about? And so I left, but God was always bringing, because there was something about the church that brought me back. I felt like there was a genuine love for the Lord. I felt like there was a, the presence of the Lord, which I really couldn't define it at that point. I just said something like, there's something about it. There's just something about it, and I need to go, I need to go back. So I did, but I didn't know, I didn't understand, I didn't understand worship. So to me, I would say things like, they're singing a lot of songs, and it's almost been an hour. I'm usually out of church in less than an hour. And so I, I, didn't understand, I didn't understand worship at that point. I didn't understand the presence of God at that point. I understood that they, they did have a guitar, which was cool. They had some drums, which was cool. You know, they had some like more. It wasn't the pipe organ. It was like live, some live music but I could never understand why they would sing for so long. And, um, and so I went off to Bible college. The Lord called me in the full-time ministry when I was 19. I got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 19. I started speaking in tongues when I was 19. And when not all that happened in one night, I, the Lord called me in the full-time ministry and I went to Bethany Bible College, which is no longer, but it was up by Santa Cruz. And so I went to an AG school, somebody's a God's school, because there were no, the only like um, supernatural school or whatever that kind of school was Christ for the Nations. Anyone ever heard of Christ for the Nations, CFNI, right? So I heard there was something at CFNI, but it wasn't accredited, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted an accredited school. So I went to Bethany, and I still, even though I was saved and spirit-filled, I didn't quite understand what worship was. And we've had people that have um, come to Convergence, it was Harvest House or Convergence, and, um, and they, they would say, you guys just sing too long. And I tell them, you're going to be bored with heaven, bro. <laughs> like, if you think an hour of worship is too long, then you better read Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5. But there's a disconnect between 
singing the song and experiencing presence. And I want to take us into that a little bit. Um, I was, I, I remember as I was growing in worship, I, I knew that if you really loved God, your hands would be like this. Like the ones who really loved God, their hands were like this. And I started like this. And I started like this. And eventually, I went like this. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like eventually, I went like this because I was looking around, you know? And, and I thought that was kind of cool. I made sure nobody was looking at me because don't single me out, right? And so eventually, I understood that you can actually go from here to here. So I did. So I went from, from here, like kind of like here, to here, to here. And then when the, the pastor would come up and he'd say, come on, let's worship the Lord, I, I went like this. You know, then there's like, I don't know what you call it. It's kind of like the Pentecostal, like your arms are on the side and your, and, I mean your shoulders and, and then your hands are out like this. And you're just like this. And you're, you're, this is like receive mode, right? You're just kind of calm. You're kind of like, you know, I'm taking it in. I'm looking around and I still see the people. Now, there are people who are like this and there are people who are actually like waving flags, and I made sure I was clear from them because I didn't get whacked. I didn't want to get whacked in the head. I didn't want to, and I had that experience as a senior leader. I'm like worshiping the God, worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden there was that narrow streamer. You ever seen the long, narrow ones? They're like two miles long, right? <laughs> and, they're, and they're just like this and they're whipping them like this. And I'm serious. I was, I don't know where I was. I was in the front and I just got whacked right there. Like, and I said, next week, all the streamers are in the back. Yeah, I didn't do that, but. Here, here. And then eventually I graduated to this. And then I took a huge move, huge step, and I went all out, fully extended, right? And that's kind of like total abandon. But I, I still, I, when, they, when they talked about shouting unto God, I said, why does God need a shout? I didn't understand shouting to God. I didn't understand lifting up our voices to the Lord. I didn't understand clapping my hands in church. I didn't, I, didn't understand, I didn't understand anything, you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff. And then I started reading the Bible, and I'm seeing it all over the book of Psalms. I'm seeing that the hands could be extended, and then I see the clap, I see the shout, and I would, I would always wonder, like, why does the Lord want me to, to do this? And I heard years ago um, this phrase, that for every physical expression that we find in the word, in terms of worship, there's a spiritual release. And so I, that made sense to me. So when, I, when, the, when the word says, um, clap your hands, all, I'll say it in King James, all ye people, clap your, hands, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That I've discovered through experiment, my own experiment, that when I clap, there's some kind of spiritual release in the clap. Now, I don't have to clap, but I'm missing something if I don't. There's a spiritual release with the shout. And I don't know what it is, but there's something about like shouting unto God with a voice of triumph. There's a shout that's directed. It's not shouting for shouting's sake. It's a shout that's directed, and when that, sh- that shout is directed to the Lord, there's actually a spiritual release in the shout. 
I mean, why would the Lord say, march around Jericho and at the end, shout? I mean, the Lord has some very different ways of defeating the enemy. So he tells Jehoshaphat, he says, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to send the people of praise first in order to defeat the army. Now, any general or anyone in the military knows that is a foolish move in the natural. But we, don't, we live in the natural, but the, the spirit realm is much more real than the natural realm. So I learned years ago that, that I want to just read the word and do what it says and then trust him with the rest. So when it comes to the, when it comes to the shout, then I'll shout unto God with a voice of triumph and there's actually a spiritual release in the shout. There's a spiritual release with the clap. There's a spiritual release with singing in the spirit. There's a spiritual release with singing a song and making a declaration. There's a, there's a spiritual release with a spontaneous song, a song that's not written, but it's your song. There's a spiritual release with thanksgiving. When I, just, when I have God as the object and I begin to thank him, there's something that happens on the inside of me that transforms me. Worship is not so much for God, it's for me. When I worship, when I give my devotion and my attention and my affection to the Lord, I'm changed. He's not, the, our, our father is not an egotistical person who is like demanding worship for us for his sake. In fact, we're created for relationship and our first response is worship. You look at every culture, study any culture, and there's going to be an expression of worship in any culture. If you go to a tribal culture that is somewhere that's remote, never heard the gospel, you will see and, dem- and, and worship will be demonstrated. Because part of our makeup, our wiring is to worship. And you will see in these tribal people that are like the gospel hasn't even come through, you'll see instruments. They, they would have created instruments. They would have sang, sung or sang, whatever it is. They would be dancing. There'd be a tribal expression of worship. And the gospel hasn't even penetrated those people. You and I were created in relationship to worship. That's how you're wired. Worship is not, uh, like I like what, what Andrew says, worship is not something that we, we, we come and we do for an hour and then when we leave, we, we don't worship. Our life is an expression of worship, right? We are living sacrifices. It says that in Romans chapter 12, one and two, that we are living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is our act of worship. So my life expression is that of worship. It's it's to release the glory of God within me to those that are around me. That's That's always been his heart's desire. So I have three, that was introduction. So I have three things I want to just touch base on about worship today, just three thoughts. Number one, 
Worship is the main activity in heaven. Turn to Revelation chapter 4, and let's just pick it up in verses 6 through 11. Take your phones out, get your pages open. You guys there? Revelation chapter 4. We studied this years and years ago in depth. But worship is the main activity in heaven. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Now that's a scene right there in heaven. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. Can you imagine that? Six wings and covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, day and night, they never stop saying. Can we say that again? Day and night, they never stop saying. Day and night, they never stop saying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and what? And worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. So around the throne, worship, we don't worship to worship. Worship has an object. And the object is God. So in heaven, God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, the heavens don't ex- didn't exist before God did. I mean, theologically, it doesn't even make sense, but you understand. Like God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, God created heaven. And I believe that the closest thing to the throne is what pleases him most. There's two things that are close to the throne, worship and intercession. It says that there's, there's instruments and bowls are being filled and those are the prayers of the saints. So what you, what you have in this, this, this picture that John sees in the book of Revelation is a throne and Father sits on that throne and he's not disconnected from us like he's on the throne, he's unapproachable. He's actually Abba, the one who's really close to us. And we live with the tension of, of God being Father and God being holy. 
Like we live in the tension that he's completely approachable, but yet on the other hand, he's, he's, um, he's completely other than. Does that make sense? Holy means completely set apart. So, so we're created and he's the uncreated. And yet what we see, we get this picture of around the throne of God, you have these living creatures and they never stop saying, day or night, this means, that it means continual. Day and night, night and day, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Why is that? We see also in Revelation chapter 4 that there's eyes all over their bodies and their wings and even inside their wings. Why is that? Why is it that the living creatures that, are, that God created around the throne never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? I mean, did God create him so that he can feel good when the living creatures go ahead and give him decla- um, declare in front of him worship and praise? Is that why? Worship is always a response to revelation. The more we see who God is, the more our worship grows. Now, there's a part of worship where we do it because it's called the sacrifice of praise. It's the sacrifice of thanksgiving. But worship is a response to who he is. So now you have this picture in heaven because there's a, it's almost like John pulled us into the heavenly realm for a moment. And we see it also in Isaiah, which I'll, I'll check out here in just a second. Isaiah sees it about 800 years before John does. And you know that there's no time. God transcends time. That's mind blowing because we live so much in the, in the realm of time. But God transcends time. And so we see it, we see it again in Isaiah, actually. Uh, I'll just read it to you. Isaiah 6, 3. And they were calling one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole is the full of glory. So you have the living creatures who are ac- actually exchanging. One was saying, holy, holy, holy. The next group is saying, is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you have this resounding thing happening on the throne and there's this constant flow of worship and I'm gonna submit to you that that worship that's coming out of the living creatures is actually coming out of a place of responding to the revelation of who God is. I think that's the reason why they have eyes all over their body. Because when they're in front of the throne, they're gaining revelation of who the Father is and, in re- and their response is worthy is the Lord, holy, 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 or whatever, is, is the response from this revelation that they're getting from the Lord. And God is inexhaustible. You'll never run out of revelation from who God is. You see, when you go and you pass from this life and your spirit, you love Jesus and you go and you see the Father, there's going to be a constant flow of revelation through eternity. 
and your response to that revelation is going to be holy. You're holy. You ever been hit by revelation? You ever been hit by a wave of the presence? You ever been encountered by God in such a way that you just fall to your knees and you say, whatever you say, it could be, you could, it could be words like, I'm not worthy. It could be words like, oh, I just love you, Jesus. And you're just weeping. Why? That's the presence of the Lord that's impacting your spirit, man. It's being awakened. See, Israel camped around the presence, right, in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, or even in today's culture, we camp around the Word. So what happens is that when we have a service, the worship is actually looked at as the secondary leading up to the preaching of the Word. While I love the Word, worship is the primary. Because we come and we give him the sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. And we come into, I'm serious, we come into the realm of being around the throne. In Revelation chapter 5, it talks about the thousands and the ten thousands and ten thousands upon ten thousands. And we, we get, this, we get this, this overwhelming crescendo of this. We don't understand worship yet. We think worship is, is for us in, in the context of, God, give me what I need. And while the Father is good at giving us what we need, I think when we come in and we posture our heart before him and we just say, I don't care what kind of a week I had. I had the craziest, most difficult week I've ever had, but I'm coming together with my brothers and sisters. We're gathering corporately, and I'm going to lift up your name because you're worthy. And like I said last week, fire always falls on sacrifice. Always. And I've learned through the years, I, I, could, be, I could be going through the worst trial of my life, and on this side of heaven, that's the only opportunity I have to give him the sacrifice of praise in the trial I'm facing. I'll never have to do that when I see him face to face. Never. I'll never have to do that on the other side of glory. But I can do it today. So there he is. Day and night, night and day. I just want you to get this picture, okay? I don't know what the living creatures look like. I know they have different faces. I don't know how big they are. I don't know. Father likes them. And there they are. They have eyes all around, all saturated. And I, I think what's happening is they're around the throne. And they're not so much giving first. Worship is the response. So I think the Lord gives a little picture of revelation of who he is. And their response is you're holy. And then there's another wave. And their response is you're holy. The crowns come off. 
There's another wave. I don't know what the time frame is in between. You know, is it every minute? You know, they're like, or is it like they get this wave of revelation and they just, they're saturated in it and their response is worship. That's way more than a 20-minute song service. Yeah, let's get them in and get them out. Let's get those, get that 20 minutes in. Let's, let's, you know, and then let's. Never having an understanding of what they're really stepping into. I do believe in a corporate worship expression. I do believe that God comes in, how do I say it, I'm trying to say it in English in a way that would make sense. There's different water levels of the presence. I don't know how else to say it, Ezekiel 47, right? There's ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. I think there's different parts where when we come together and we gather and he's the focus. Not, man, that's been like 25 minutes and they're still singing? Like that's our consumer-driven, entitled culture. It's not heaven's culture. What do we want? Do we want heaven's culture or a Western culture? And I know we live in the Western culture, but you're citizens of heaven. Oh, come on now. I'm not even done with point one. I'm telling you, we've had, I mean, I think we're just like at this point, you know, I think I'm not saying that we're not doing, doing bad. I'm just saying that there's more. There's more. All right, I better jump this point too here. <laughs> Worship is the sacrifice we bring as his royal priesthood and the gift we bring because he's king. Priests would offer sacrifices to God. And we see in Hebrews 13, 15, you can just jot this down, 13, 15, and 16, that our sacrifices aren't now uh, the blood from lambs. It's actually the sacrifice of praise. That's our sacrifice. It talks about the fruit of our lips. That's the sacrifice. In the kingdom, you never come before a king without a gift. It's a, it's, a, it's a point of honor. If you came in front of a king without a gift, then you're despising the king. You're making it known that you're despising the king. 
When you come before a king, it, it actually, I, I don't have time to, you can just jot Psalm 72.10, but when you come, because Solomon's talking about this, when you come before a king, you, you bring him a tribute. Or an attribute is a, a gift that symbolizes gratefulness, respect, and admiration. And so when I come before the Lord, I come before him to honor him as king of his kingdom. And the good news is that we're sons and daughters of the father who owns it all and it's his kingdom. We come into this privilege, we come into this this place, this position before him and we actually come as sons and daughters offering him the gift of our lives. Well, that would have been totally cool and I would have been, I am totally okay with it with the thought that first this king has given you a gift through sacrifice. What are you talking about? I'm talking about that the king and creator of the universe actually gave, offered the sacrifice first. And he's given you a gift first. And our response is getting revelation on that gift and then responding back to him with our gift of praise. He's not an earthly king that sits in a place of arrogance he actually came out, he came down, if you get the picture, from his throne and he came as a child and he went to a cross as the creator and he sacrificed his life for yours. And he's the king. What kind of king lays his life down for his people and then gives them a gift of salvation and then he sits back on his throne? He's done all the work. And then us humankind is saying, well, God's not really matching up. I mean, I'm really mad at God because he didn't come through. And like we have all these things that we're wrestling with, and this is everything he's already done for you and me. He deserves my worship, whether I feel like it or not. And I've been in the valley. Anyone? I've been in that valley. I've been in that valleys. I've been in those valleys. I've been mad at God. I've, I've had questions. But he's a good dad and he can take it. But it's never going to impact my worship. I can worship with questions. I can praise him with questions. I can declare the goodness of God with questions. And sometimes I'll have those questions and all of a sudden I feel the presence of the Lord come over me because I've given him the sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise and somehow the presence of God comes in the middle of my questions and I know it's going to be all right. It's called assurance. I'm going to go to the grave with questions. All of us are. Isaiah 55 says his ways are greater and his thoughts are greater. He's God and I'm not. 
Are you guys all right? But that's not going to impact my worship. Number three. And we can have the worship team come up because we're going to end with worship. I really want to get through this last point and then I want to get to Acts. All right? We become like the one we worship. We become like the one we worship. What people revere, they resemble. Either for ruin or for restoration. I like that. In Romans, if you looked at Romans chapter 1, verse, you can just write it in. Romans one twenty three. Romans 8.29, both of those. You know in Romans chapter 1, the latter part of chapter 1 into chapter 2, the people didn't give worship to the Lord. Whoa. <laughs> and they exchanged, they exchanged these images and actually... Relegated to that, relegated these images as, as gods, and we see that all the way through the Old Testament, don't we? So Romans chapter one twenty three says, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds and animals and creeping things. That's the first time. I think it's only two times in Romans that the word image is actually used, and they're both in the context of worship. Romans 1.23 says, again, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. The word there for images is the word for representation. Romans chapter 8.29 says, here's the, here's the good news, and those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Here's, here's the thought for us today. According to Romans, we are molded into one or two images. One of two images. Either into the distortion of creation or into the image of Christ. Our worship is either aimed at our ruin or our worship is aimed at our restoration. But it's aimed at something in either case. We are becoming what we worship. Thus, the process of sanctification is the gracious redirecting of our worship and our affections toward Christ, transforming us into the image of Jesus and conforming us into that image. Wow. That's thought-provoking. Here's what I've discovered. His presence changes everything. But I don't worship to get his presence. I worship because he's worthy. And if his presence comes, oh, that's icing on the cake. I mean, I can ask him for his presence. Nothing, wrong, nothing illegal about that. But my worship is directed to the person 
of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I've learned on my worst days, I've learned that I have, I've had significant breakthrough when I didn't feel like worshiping and I knew it was the right thing to do. Anyone ever been there? Sometimes the Lord just kind of beckons you. You just have this strong sense. I should put some worship music on in my car. Right now I'm listening to the 49er game. I don't want to listen to, you know, whatever. And you have this thing and it's like there's an encounter waiting for you. And the greatest instrument you have is your voice. It's God's instrument for you. So what I'd like for us to do is I want us to go into that table song or fight my battles or whatever it's called. <laughs> Something about the table. I know that is, yeah, it's actually, it actually comes out of Texas, I think. What's the name of that? Upper Room Dallas, yeah. So good things come out of Texas, I guess. Um, all right. Psalm 16. I mean Psalm 16, my goodness. Acts 16. And I, I just want to end with this thing because I felt like I just want to put some more icing on the prayer time that we had this morning. It's good icing, you know what I'm saying? Right? All right, let's all stand. <clears throat> After they were severely beaten, this is Paul and Silas. They're, they're, they're in prison, right? After they were severely beaten and, and were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely, so the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and they, uh, and they had their feet bound and chained. And they asked, God, why are you doing this? And they declared, we will not worship because we are in, I'm, now I'm just to let you know this is not in the Bible, but I'm just saying, making a point. God, we have all these questions. We're, not, we're just not beaten, we're severely beaten. Like, why did you allow that to happen to me? I'm going to withhold my worship. I'm going to withhold this because I don't feel like you've been just. I feel like you're, you've really allowed this thing to happen in my life. And now we're in the inner, this inner cell and I'm in a prison and I can't get out. Why did you do this? In fact, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to throw a, a massive pity party and I am going to be really mad at you. And I'm just not going to, I'm not going to spend any time with you. I'm not going to worship you. That's not what Paul and Silas did. Paul and Silas, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Suddenly... A great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. Worship is not just for me. 
My expression of worship in a corporate setting is also for others. I want you to grab that revelation because there are people that come in each and every Sunday. I believe there are some who've had an amazing week and there are some who are really thinking about checking out of this whole thing called Christianity. I think there are people that walk in, they're, they're like, they're on a high with God and there are some people who are walking in who are thinking about taking their own life. Like you don't understand how your worship to the Lord impacts a room. It's right here in scripture. They began, began to sing praise and worship and it wasn't that their shackles were loosed, everybody's was. It wasn't that their prison doors were opened. Everybody's was. What's the point? The point is you had two men who were actually in an inner prison who were locked up and guarded. And all they had to do was begin to worship and praise. And then God creates the supernatural. The earthquake takes place. And now not just their shackles are, and not just their doors are open, but all the prisoners' doors are open. That's a corporate anointing in a prison. What will happen if, anyway, I was just thinking about like San Quentin, you know, like we had a couple of believers and they just, you know, all right. Startled, verse 27. The jailer awoke and saw every cell door standing open. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he knew that was it. When Paul shouted in the darkness, wow, stop, don't hurt yourself, we're all still here. The jailer called for a light When he saw that they were still in the cells, he rushed in and fell, trembling at their feet. Then he led Paul and Silas outside and asked, what must I do to be saved? Where did it all begin? Not a song service. It was an expression of a sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise. That, accum- that culminates into a place of worship. Salvation is a direct result of, some, of two men's worship in a cell. What would it be like if you had hundreds of people who just go after the Lord in this reckless abandon of devotion and then the lost get saved, not because a great sermon was preached, it's because the presence of God convicted them in the middle of a worship encounter. I want you to reach with your spirit this morning. That the God, the supernatural God can come and impact a life in a moment where the presence of God does change everything. So that's how we fight our battles. And when they were singing that song, I was like, Act 16. And so like Andrew had the front end and I'm going to have the back end and we're going to bring it together. And it's like, this is how we do it. Just worship Jesus.
Thank you again for listening. We hope that what was shared in this message leaves a lasting impact on your life and the lives around you. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe.